Okay, hello. Welcome to Sack King's Therapy, episode 70, coming to you right after the Kings take care of business against Cleveland. And it has come to my attention today that I, well, I forgot to mention that last episode was episode 69. I totally forgot uh, that it, that was the case, and that's why I didn't make a joke. That is totally the reason why, and not because I am a very mature person and just didn't want to make a joke. But anyways, uh, we are on episode 70 today, and we're going to talk about the Cavs games. Um, we'll just kind of get this out of the way, because there's other stuff I want to talk about pertaining to trades and other things that are happening around the league. And the trade deadline is coming up, so that is going to be the topic I'm going to focus on for most of this episode, however long it lasts, so we'll see. Uh, well, let's get the Cavs game out the way. Um, very sloppy game to start for the Kings. They just looked lazy coming out of uh, just coming out of the last game. Like, there's just not much energy. There wasn't much focus. It was like players just bobbled the ball. You know, passers were very inaccurate. I swear to God, there was at least like four, three or four turnovers where. Someone tried to feed Barnes in the post, and Barnes just couldn't catch it, or it was a really weirdly bad pass that just bounces like to nowhere. And yeah, there was a lot of stuff like that, and you know, just random giving, like literally just giving the ball to the other team for no reason whatsoever. Uh, that basically kind of created a very back and forth, very actually kind of fun game to a certain degree, just because there was so much scoring. Um, for the first two quarters, it basically was tied. I, so it was 62-59 by the end of the first half. And it was just, you know, I, I call it the the opening of the Red Sea defense, where there just was no help in the paint on so many, like, plays. And, uh, yeah, it was actually, you know, surprisingly fun to watch. Like, De'Aaron just, like, got right by guys for easy layups. Uh, Darius Garland did some stuff. Uh, Colin Sexton, you know, these three speed demons just... Gotta just blows blow by guys and just get buckets. It was it was a very fun uh, you know first half. Uh, second half, uh, and during the middle of the third, the Cavs go on a very you know a very bad cold streak. Just miss shots over and over again. Part of it, I will say, was part of the Kings' defense. The Kings' defense actually looked good today. Like there was good help, good rotations, and just seemingly better communication. And yeah, it led to, I think it was at a 17 or 15 and 0 uh, run that basically kind of opened up the game. The Kings never really looked back from there. Um, after that, in the fourth quarter, basically it was the same thing. Um, I will talk about the fourth quarter. The, my main gripe with the fourth quarter is that De'Aaron played the entire fourth quarter. I'm actually going to go over the entire minute spread in our you know, newest Kings therapy or Sack Kings therapy segment, Minutes Watch. Harrison Barnes played 41 minutes. Rashawn Holmes, Rashawn Holmes played 35. De'Aaron Flax played 38. Alliburton played 36. And Buddy Hill 38. Why? In this kind of game? Like, just why play the starters that many goddamn minutes? Is this some sort of punishment? Because, like, I just don't find it necessary to play these guys that many minutes. Or against a very shit team for the most part. And again, like my main gripe is that I really wish that Luke would just open the fourth quarter or how even the second quarter with the, you know, the third unit, like have Woodard in there, uh, have one of Woodard, Daquan 
or Kyle Guy in there. Just, you know, just to get him some minutes and see what you got in him. Like, you know, if they, like, you know, bleed points, fine. Like, you know, you can take out De'Aaron and just, like, insert him back if you need him. Like, instead of playing De'Aaron the entire fourth quarter and what ultimately was a meaningless kind of game for the most part during the fourth quarter, like, the, the win was very much in hand. And I really don't think if you played the third, the third unit, it would have mattered. My opinion, but that's the my main gripe, my only gripe with this game, other than, you know, some very lazy focus uh, from the team. But I, this is the kind of making the thing that's really souring me up, souring me on Luke Wallen. I think he just needs to go to that third unit more. You don't have a good bench. Like Corey Joseph is probably your best bench player at this point because Halliburton's starting now, and it's not a great, you know, that's not a great start. Like Hassan Whiteside was frustrating as hell to watch. Bealitsa didn't really do anything. He had a contested three. That was about it. And uh, yeah, Hassan Whiteside just awful to watch this game like you know the the gen the usual lazy kind of like you know no effort rebounding like slow on defense doesn't you know grab rebounds and just i think he committed three yeah he committed three fouls or no he only had two fouls but like he, he committed i think two fouls in a row like right as he checked it and it was just like it's it's a walking statue out there you know for the most part and I don't know why they keep doing this, but like it feels like they run more pick and roll when he's out there for some reason, or like they run post ups for him when he's out there. I have no clue why. Like Luke, if if this is Luke telling them to do it, this is really stupid because he's not a good post player. He's not a good role man. He's not. He's just not really great, and it's frustrating to watch like him do anything at this point. He only played twelve minutes, but it felt like eleven minutes too much. Like, you know. That's what I mean. Like he played at the start of the fourth, and guess what? The Cavs actually made a slight run to kind of threaten a little bit, but you know, thank God nothing happened. But still, like it needs. I think they just need to cut down on those minutes and just give them to the third unit. Give it to Robert Woodard. Give it to hell, Jabari Parker for crying out loud. Like Daquan Jeffries, what the hell has happened to him? And Kyle Guy. Like I love Kyle Guy. I just want to see that boy play. That's all I ask ever asked from Luke. Yeah, um, hopefully this is something that's addressed because I'm sick and tired of seeing this bench for the most part. Corey Joseph was fine for the most part. Like, I know King's Twitter likes to dunk on him for what I feel are very unfair reasons. But, like, you know, you can start, like, you know, the fourth maybe with, like, Halliburton and, like, you know, the, the third unit. Like, have him as the playmaker to set up those guys. And, you know, not have to run Deer and Fox into the ground. Like, homie played 38 minutes on, again, what was a very much, a win that was very much in hand, and honestly, a pretty meaningless game for the most part. Anyways, that's basically uh, my take on the uh, Cavs game. Overall, you know, you can never really complain about a win. It was a good win. We basically blew them out, and, you know, we simply just took care of business, and that's... That's what I want to see the from the Kings more consistently against what was a very bad team on a night of back-to-back, no less. So, yeah, good to see that. Well, let's move on to the second part. Uh, trade season is here. Uh, trade deadline is the 25th, which will be Thursday. I don't remember the exact time of when the trade deadline is, but, you know, it's on the 25th. I assume it's like in the afternoon or something. Or maybe even or maybe even at noon. Who knows? 
um, biggest revelation to come out today uh, from a, I think it was a Shams report or a Sam Amick report from The Athletic. I don't actually remember which one, but Oh, no, Chris Haynes was actually the first one to uh, report this, not anyone from The Athletic. Marvin Bagley has been floated around. He is actually actively like in, on, the, on the trade table, which actually kind of surprised me. I didn't think he was active just because, honestly, I didn't think he had much value. And you know, him being injured basically makes him definitely no value. But basically, the revelation that came out today, as reported by Chris Haynes, I think was the first one to report it, was that uh, Marvin, um, basically, Monty tried to trade him to the Detroit Pistons for Sadiq Bay, and Detroit said no. That was basically, that basically kind of gauges his value in a way. Like, you know, I, I like Sadiq Bay. I get why Detroit said no to this, but like, I guess that's probably the ceiling that you can like expect from trading Marvin is, you know, a useful young player. And at the other part of the reporting, I don't, I don't remember who reported this, but like, um, Monty McNair wants a first round pick of some sort back f- from Marvin. And I listened to uh, ESPN 1320 from uh, D'Lo and KC, and you know they basically discussed that uh, idea. And basically, there they've come to the they've come to the assumption that chances are you're not getting a first round pick for him unless a team just is that high on Marvin. But like. You know, the you know GMs are, for the most part aren't stupid. I think they kn- they know what they're gonna get with him for the most part, or they're gonna try and buy low on him if they're smart. So I just don't I don't see what his value is. If, if there is any value for Marvin, I don't think it's that high just because he's an injury prone big man with a offensive game that doesn't really scale well with good teams. So you're probably not getting anything from a good team. And he has a pretty uh, he has a pretty hefty salary actually. He's like in the eleven million I think for this year, and then twelve or like twelve or like in the high eleven million for next year uh, as a team option. Like if you know another team wants to pick it up, like I just don't see that big of a market for a guy who really only plays one way. And like you know he's been proved on defense. And like he, I think he's good on offense, but like his defense is a tire fire for the most part. And you know, if you want to take a chance on him, you're you know you're you're incurring a lot of risk. And I just don't see a lot of teams wanting to take that risk. And I just, I just personally don't think we're gonna get much back for Marvin if he's just traded by himself. If you're gonna package him with say Buddy or Harrison or. Corey Joseph or uh, Nemanja Bielitsa or hell, even Hassan Whiteside. Like, I just don't think you're going to get much. I, I, you might get something there, but like, you, you're not going to get much by himself. Again, they tried to trade him for Sadiq Bay and it didn't work. And so I, I am interested. I, it does just, it does surprise me that he, they actively try to trade him. I thought it was just kind of an idea that they try to flow him out there just to see like what kind of value he would have. But yeah. Uh, it seems like Marvin's time in Sacramento probably is coming to an end. And, you know, it really is unfortunate. I, I do like Marvin for the most part. I Again, I'm not a fan of his defense. I don't know that. I really don't know if that gets any better. But I am a believer in his offense. Like, he turned himself into a very reliable shooter, in my opinion. You know, I think he shot like 35% from the field or from three this year. And, you know, that corner three was a weapon. And, like, him playing the five, I thought, was is definitely a strategy and a thing 
But, you know, with Rashawn Holmes on this team, like, he just isn't as valuable and as useful as a piece as Rashawn Holmes. I get why he wasn't playing the fourth. And, you know, I get why he wants out. And hopefully, you know, things things work out and, you know, everyone is happy. I am, you know, you got to you got to always bring up the fact he was the one drafted before Luca. And it really brings this uh, the Marvin saga to a very kind of a very kind of sad end, you know, like, unfortunately, not with a bang, but with very much a whimper, because, again, I don't think we're going to get much out of him, even if we do end up trading him. But again, hopefully things work out. I'm I'm okay with either result. Like I'm okay if we get something back for him. But if you're, but you know, if he stays on the team, that's fine. I just don't want to trade him for peanuts. Like I don't know, a rant, a, a useless second round pick, or like a player that's not that useful. Okay. Well, uh, speaking of trade candidates, well, Buddy and Mar- Buddy and uh, Barnes, um, those are the other two main trade candidates, as I've kind of talked about before uh, from the reporting from Sam Amick. You know, Buddy has a very limited trade, uh, has a very limited trade market just because of his salary and you know what he does. He's a great shooter, but again, a tire fire on defense. And when he's not hitting shots, really doesn't add too much to to like you know help you win. And you know his questionable decision making, you know suspect ball handling, that just isn't a guy you really want to pay 25, 24 million a year to, even if like his contract is declining. I just, you know, maybe like New York might want to take a stab at him. Like maybe Atlanta, if you can talk them into it. Um, I just don't know what team would like want a guy like that. And, you know, you know, I'll be surprised if he is moved, to be honest. I think we're, I think we're going to be not, I don't want to say stuck with Buddy. I think he's here to stay. And I'm fine with it. Like if you can, if you, if you trade away Marvin, it does kind of, you know, you're only stuck with one bad defender. And I think it, you can live with just, you know, Buddy on there because he, you know, he has shown more effort on that end, and you know, it he's he's not completely hopeless on that end, although it's pretty bad. Harrison, um, it just seems like they're like Monty is looking for a big package, and you know, whatever the you know the one from the Celtics, you know, if you get if you're gonna get like you know a pick and like some young guys. I just don't think that's enough, but I've seen like, you know, uh, the Aaron Gordon package uh, that's being floated around two firsts and like possibly Marcus Smart in the deal. Like, can you get that for Harrison Barnes? Like, he's probably the only other piece I'm interested in that's not named Jalen Brown. (laughs) Like, you know, like that Marcus Smart would be a lot, would solve a lot of things that this team needs. You need a guy with attitude and you need a guy with a defensive mindset. You know, you you take what you get with him on offense, but he would solve so many issues on uh, defense for the Kings. You know, but you know the wing, you know, losing a wing would hurt. But like, you know, Marcus Smart, he's not, he's not, he's not some, he's not some punk. He's not gonna let you. He's not gonna let anyone punk him, and he will like fight, like whoever basically tries to bully him, even if you are bigger than him. So like, you know, if it if Marcus Smart is involved in that deal, I'm listening. Okay, um, moving on to kind of the guy that keeps getting floated around on King's Twitter, particularly by a Sacktown baby giraffe of uh, Tim Maxwell. You know, I, I I see a lot of his tweets, and you know, he's I think I feel I feel like he leads the charge on bringing John Collins to Sack. Now Collins, you know, I I I'll, I'll admit I have not watched much of him, so honestly, my opinion doesn't really matter. 
just because like I my opinion of him is that you know he's a, he's a theoretically very useful player. You know he's your typical kind of three a big man that can shoot threes. Who's you know decent, you know bad to decent on defense, and you know that's a very useful player. Like a uh, a floor space a big man that's a floor spacer. Like he can do that for the Kings. The issue primarily with him is that I. You know, I, this I'm not, I'm gonna admit I have like a little bit of PTSD from Dwayne Dedman, who you know was also on the Hawks and had like a thirty had a year where he shot thirty seven percent from three, and I I think a lot of that had to do with Trey Young. You know, part of part of the PTSD that I have with Dwayne Dedman is that if he comes to sack, he, that three point percentage is gonna drop off, and you know I don't know if he can. I'm I'm just not familiar enough with his game. Like, is can he like dribble drive? Like, can he create a shot on his own? And, you know, is he, he's probably going to be an upgrade on, he's definitely going to be an upgrade on Marvin on defense, but like on, on the offensive end, he's probably capped at where he's going to be for the most part. And I'm just, I'm just not sold on him being like someone who's worth trading for. And if you're going to give up anything like a first, I think that's a horror trade. And that's not, and the biggest factor of me not really wanting to trade him, I don't really want to max him. That's because that's the contract that he's going to look for, and he's going to look, you know, you know, if we don't, if we decide not to extend him to a max, he's, you know, entering restricted free agency, and Lord knows, like, with that much cap space out there, like, who's going to throw a ginormous offer sheet his way? You know, that's my main issue with him. It's a lot of money for a player that, you know, I admit I have not seen much of, and in the game that, you know, we did watch the Kings go up against them, wasn't all that impressed with him. Like so. I just don't know if you want to play like twenty million a year for a guy like Collins. You know, that's just my general take on it. I, I want another kind of shot creator next to Fox right now because right now, like he he's carrying too much of a load and having to create so much. And it's you know, I just want another creator. Maybe Halliburton gets there next year or like in subsequent years, but like you know, I, I want to trade for a guy who can, you know, again, create. And I'm not sure if John Collins can create. He, from what I've seen from him, he a lot of it comes from Trey Young creating and him finishing what's uh, created by Trey Young. So, you know, without Trey Young, I, I, I just I don't know if there's going to like if there's going to be a giant drop off to his production. And not, not to say not to throw shade or like, you know, at Halley and um uh, box but like they're not the they're not the kind of creator that trey is and i don't know how big that drop off is going to be in with the kind of offense that luke walton runs yeah i don't know if he's going to you know come in there and just be able to fit in although to be fair kings don't have enough talent to be talking about fit they can they need all the talent that they can, they can get i'm just i'm just not completely sold that john collins is that talent um that's my take on him um you know, in unfortunate news, um, you know, Lombello Ball uh, has suffered an injury. And, you know, he is going to be out for the rest of the season, it seems. Maybe that, like, possibly he might be able to come back, like, maybe when the playoffs start. But I, I don't know. I don't know about the medical details of the injury. But, you know, I want to bring that up because... Well, partially because, you know, he he's a very exciting player. It's unfortunate to see him kind of go down. And he seemed fine, too. Like, you know, he I think he missed both free throws or like he missed one free throw when he was uh, got injured. But he got back up and he looked fine. But apparently, yeah, he, 
fractured his hand or broke his hands. And yeah, hopefully, you know, he comes back strong and, you know, and just continues to be exciting an exciting player. Um, I bring that up because, you know, he, he was definitely running away with the rookie of the year award. Like he is undoubtedly the best rookie out of this class. Like, you know, I, I was I was a doubter of him coming out of the draft. I just didn't think he could score on a high high enough level to the point where his feel and you know S S level passing could actually make any any real difference. But the, I, I was completely wrong. Like he is definitely capable of scoring. Like you know when he played against the Hornets that first game, like and whenever Bielisa got switched on him, it was barbecue chicken time. He he isoled on him, blew right by him, and got a layup or like some drew a foul. It was like he can create, and you know he's got a great offensive game. And you know the the S level passing, the S level feel for the game, like that kind of you know that really kind of is the engine that drives the Hornets offense, in my opinion, from what I've seen. And you know he's rightfully you know the He's rightfully kind of leading the rookie of the year charge. Um, you know, now that he's out, a lot of people, you know, like are kind of discussing, like, does he have it locked? I think for the most part he does, but like, you know, I bring this up because Halliburton is, you know, not consensus because some people say that Anthony Edwards has kind of like, you know, made a kind of a late season run for the rookie of the year, but you know there are there are circles that are saying that Halliburton could make a run for the rookie of the year if and because he's just been very solid he's been a very pot of one of the few bright spots for the Kings season and you know he is a winning player who just makes plays and plays like a you know a five year veteran like a guy that's just you know be able to kind of slow things down get everyone on track and just contribute to winning basketball. And you know, early in the season, like he was, he had some, he had some buzz around him. But Lamelo definitely overtook him as the course of the season went along. But I, I do wonder if you know Halliburton can you know make a late season run for that rookie of the year if you know the Kings start winning again. And if the Kings start winning, it's going to involve Halliburton one way or another. So that's just kind of what I, kind of wanted to bring that up. And uh, yeah, hopefully you know Halliburton kind of comes back alive. Um, you know, to close the season because you know, but right before this game, like he he had been pretty quiet for the most part. Like he he still makes plays out there and still does Halliburton things, but like up until you know the game against the Cavs, like he had been you know single digit scoring, like you know a few a few assists, a few rebounds, maybe a steal or amount of block or two. But and tonight he scored twenty eight points and you know was very efficient from the field like he does things that d- that don't appear on the box score but like particularly in the last few games he's been quiet but you know he's kind of you know he's kind of come back alive in this uh, Cavs game so hopefully he keeps this up uh the other injury news unfortunately to LeBron James dude, who had a who had a high ankle sprain it looked rough to be honest like but you know i i didn't really worry about it so much because it is LeBron like if anyone can show that like their body is not like not like us mortals, it's LeBron James. Like he has like I think he comes back perfectly fine from this. Although there will be lingering effects, but like I think he'll be fine coming back from this. And you know, if anyone's kind of earned like trust, earned the trust of NBA fans, it's got to be LeBron, right? Like he has got like you know this you know this man is definitely the best player of this generation 
And, you know, he barely has injuries. So, you know, credit to him for how he takes care of his body. And, uh, yeah, I, I just think that, you know, he'll come back uh, from this injury fine. And, you know, they'll be – and him and AD will be ready for the playoffs, and they'll probably wreck shop in the playoffs. Um, you know, begrudgingly, as a Kings fan, I don't want to, you know – I. D- I, you know, I don't really love talking about the Lakers, but, you know, like, it's LeBron James. And wh- whenever you have LeBron James on your team, and especially when he has AD standing next to him, you know, you can't really go against that. So, uh, yeah, I think I think he'll come back from this high ankle sprain perfectly fine. Um, you know, uh, what's his name? De'Aaron Fox, like, had a... Uh, had a really bad ankle sprain last year and he was able to come back in around three weeks and he was fine for the most part. You know, it took him a little bit to get, to get, to get going again, but you know, there should be enough time for them to get revved up for for the playoffs. The only concern that, you know, the Lakers have is that they hopefully don't drop too far. I think they will be, they will be fine for the most part. Like it's not a hopeless team, but like it is, it's a bit concerning, but it's not something I'd be that concerned about them dropping to, you know, some people were saying like dropping to the play-in game or out of the playoffs. I, I don't think they'll ever drop out of the playoffs. I highly doubt they'll actually drop into the play-in games. I think they should be fine. And uh, yeah, in other news, uh, Kings just, uh, you know, just executed a trade as I was recording. So they just executed a trade from the Clippers and basically, we get cash, and we get. Mif- I'm so sorry for mispronouncing this. I'll, I'll, we'll learn it in a few days. Mifandu Kabengele. He is a power forward from the Clippers, who hasn't really played much at all this year, and they basically was do- were doing this to save a little bit of money. And uh, yeah, he's. Just looking at his uh, ESPN profile, he seems—he's a power forward that seems like a thick boy. Uh, he's six nine, and you know he has a pretty good shooting. Uh, he has a pretty good three-point percentage from last year. Uh, so maybe, maybe that's what he's there to do. Like, hopefully, Luke—you know—hopefully, like we, you know, try him out, see what we got, and just do something with him. Like, you know, I—I I don't know if Luke's gonna play him. He has been very hesitant to play anyone that's not the starters or like our second unit. But hopefully this guy. Hopefully we get to see what this guy is. Like it's a low, it's a low risk, maybe like decent reward, or you know what? What is really just you know just to kind of like you know a deal to make a deal in a way. And uh, you know we might have something here. Maybe maybe he's an interesting player and might want to keep around. I don't know. Um, so uh, we're gonna close out on this uh sour, sour note. This really sad note to tonight because uh we're gonna talk about elgin baylor uh lakers legend elgin baylor has passed away today and uh yeah it was you know i just was very sad when i saw the news i'm like oh come on another another person dying it's just you know it's just been like it's just been heavy to, to a certain degree like so many legends have passed so many people have passed away it feels like in the past few months and you know 2020 was a shit show of like you know coronavirus and uh you know, celebrity death and, you know, the death of Kobe and David Stern earlier in the year, you know, it's just, it's just really sad to see that. And, you know, Elgin Baylor, like he, 
it was really like the prototypical like wing, the kind of the pioneer of like the big scoring wing. And he really kind of like did the Euro step before that became a thing and before it was called a Euro step. And, you know, he really paved the way for a lot of, pl- you know, for a lot of players to kind of imitate his play style. And, you know, of course, one of the original pioneers of the game. And uh, it's really sad to, you know, see to see the news that he did pass away today. And yeah, um, you know, he leaves behind a rear, a very kind of strong legacy. And yeah, I hope just, uh, you know, his family, I hope the best for his family and, you know, best of luck to the, the Baylor family. Okay, well, that's uh, that's enough of me for tonight. Um, you know, to close out, just a good win uh, for the for the Kings, and yeah, they just took care of business. And we shall see what happens during the trade deadline or during this period between now and the trade deadline. You know, Kings just made a small little move. I assume there will be moves going forward. We shall see. All right, well, I'll catch you guys back probably on Wednesday on probably Thursday night, right after the trade deadline or right after the Warriors game specifically. Actually check real quick what time that is. Pull it up. Oh, God. So, yeah, actually probably, maybe. We we shall see. I'll I'll see if I can do an episode that night. All right, well, I'll see you guys uh, on Thursday night, hopefully.